Jesus, you are worthy of all of our praise. Thank you that right in our midst, you continue to bring people from death to life in you. You continue to remove scales from eyes and remove spiritual blindness, and you continue to soften hearts. God, you continue to seek and save the lost. You continue to call people into boldness and the public declaration of their faith through baptism. And we are asking, God, not only in thanksgiving, but also in anticipation that you would do more. Jesus, that you would continue to use our church and the message of your precious gospel to call people into saving faith, to give them new life and a new birth in you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Woo! Don't even need to preach a sermon after that. That was awesome. That was awesome. So glad you're here this morning. My name is Glenn, one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're new with us, a warm welcome to you. Last week, we wrapped up a sermon series that we did in the book of Hebrews. And we're going to start now a really short, brief sermon series on the, the subject of Advent. It is indeed the Christmas season. And that word Advent, if you didn't know, it just means in simple terms, arrival. Arrival. And so Christians, historically, we celebrate the first Advent, which is that baby in a manger, Jesus coming to earth and being born among us. And we also look forward to and anticipate the second Advent, which is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he comes to restore all things, to usher in a new heavens and a new earth that all who believe in him will be able to experience. So I have the privilege this morning, church, of talking to you about peace. The peace that we have in Jesus. The Bible has a lot to say about peace. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a promise of peace. God, many times in the Bible, is called the God of peace. In the book of Ephesians, as an example, uh, the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, is called the gospel of peace. Peace is really significant in the life of people who trust in Jesus. Now, the lack of peace can be called whatever you want. Worry, fear, anxiety, panic. Uh, the last two years have not been easy for anyone. Can we just be honest? Um, the market for your job has maybe taken a hit. Uh, your job maybe has been threatened or lost. Relationships that were once just fine have been now fractured by social and political turmoil. The peace, or excuse me, the pace of your busyness in life maybe has robbed from you friendship and frankly, you're lonely. The isolation of a pandemic has highlighted pain points in your marriage and in your parenting and addictions and strongholds have reared their ugly head. And you, if you came here this morning, you were honest, would say, I'm not in a good place in terms of my peace. Additionally, on top of that, there are what I would say are demonic voices and lies that all of us are subject to believe that say you are worthless you are incompetent, you're ineffective. God doesn't see you or concern himself with your life. God doesn't have a good plan for you. He's not with you. He is not speaking to you. God is punishing you. And to be honest, <laughs> um, the advent of electricity and the internet have not helped us in this cause. Uh, if you just think about it, long ago when the sun went down, we went to bed and called it a day. Nowadays, we stay up all night emailing and browsing and working, working, working. Not only that, but we have a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year 
global news cycle that is littered with tragedies and corruption and misinformation and bad news. What about you this morning? Like if we could just get personal for a moment. Right now in your life when your head hits the pillow at night and when your feet hit the floor in the morning, what is on your mind? What are those things that are robbing you of joy that you find yourself so obsessed with that maybe there's tomorrow you can't even be focused on or enjoy today? Perhaps you're with family or friends or coworkers and you are physically present but your mind is racing 100 miles per hour somewhere else. All this pools together, right? (laughs) A lot of things pool together to form a bunch of Christians who perhaps at one time said, I have peace, but are living day to day with tortured, panicked souls. My responsibility this morning, church, and I've I've given uh, this sermon the title of, of of this responsibility, it's really who it is that we need to be reintroduced to. It is Jesus, the maker and giver of peace. Jesus, the maker and giver of peace. And we're going to begin this journey by remembering the kind of life that I just described, how that kind of life, the life that all of us are experiencing right now in one way or another, is actually not the way that it was meant to be, church. It's not the way that things once were. And so I want to invite you to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm not your boss, so you don't have to do this, but I want to suggest that you actually close your eyes and you step with me into something that was actually once a reality. So if you want to close your eyes, I want to tell you about the beginning of all things. There was one true God who created the heavens and the earth and he created people that lived in perfect harmony with him. They loved and they trusted And they obeyed God, and he looked out for their good and well-being. He gave them rule and authority over the earth. They got to name the animals, and they got to cultivate the ground, and they got to experience intimacy with one another in human relationship. And they had the blessing to be fruitful and multiply and make families who would have that kind of closeness with God. Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, worshipped God. They recognized that he was their maker, their provider, their protector. Naturally, God had the most weight in their lives. He was the giver of all the good gifts they had to enjoy. There was love and joy between God and his people. And everything flowed from God's presence and proximity. I want you to think about this. Questions of identity all had their answer. Questions of security and provision had their answer. Questions of guilt, shame, Questions of trying to hide or impress. Questions about the future all answered. No mysteries because God was near and God was all in all. If you look at that story, one thing was for sure. One thing was certain, church. There was peace. You can open your eyes. This is not a fun or children's or fantastical story. This is our history. That was actually a reality. And the reason that it may be so difficult to imagine it, so difficult for us to grasp that kind of reality is because it's so utterly different from our life experience because something tragic happened. 
Adam and Eve decided to stop worshiping God, to stop attributing their good to him. And, and, and to boil it all down, essentially they made a decision that sounded like, God, you're not a good God. We would do it better. God, we would rather have our decisions. We want your creation, we want your gifts, but we don't want you. We want to live as God. And church, can we just be honest? In everyday life experience, in our minds, in our hearts, in our motives, is that not our story today? Is that not how we are so prone to function? If we were to examine our thoughts and our feelings, we would find a glaring amount of proverbial conversations with God that say, listen, I appreciate that you made me and that you care for me and that you've gotten me this far and that you want to guide my life and my decision making and that you want what's best for me. But I like control. I like ownership. I think I'm better off doing things my way. I trust me more than I trust you. And because of Adam and Eve, and because of that condition that is carried down to us today, peace with all its security, peace with all its tranquility, peace with its assurance, peace with all its joy, was lost. It was forever broken, and the human experience altered. But church, what we celebrate at Advent is the true story, just as true as that story, the true story that God responded to us with grace. We celebrate an epic, cosmic, all-time plan that God would have to restore our peace. We celebrate that God looked at people who betrayed him and broke peace with him and he didn't respond accordingly or reasonably as any creator God would but instead he sent his son as a sacrifice in a one-way act of love he did what only he could do to restore our relationship and bring back peace church did you know Jesus restores peace the prophet Isaiah would speak of him in chapter 7 verse 14 he said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When we sinned against God, he was no longer with us. The problem of humanity is our separation from God. And God sent his son and said, call him Emmanuel. God with us us. God would become a man on earth, Jesus, and Jesus would live a righteous life that we don't live. And Jesus would take on our sin and be punished to death on a cross as our substitute. What Jesus did, church, is Jesus made our enormous problem his problem. He said, I'll take it. I love them that much. And this is what sets the Christian faith apart from any other world religion. Any other kind of faith, there is no karmic debt to be paid. There is no searching for enlightenment. There is no ladder to climb toward nirvana. There is no committing to an increase of spiritual disciplines and, and an ethical code that gives you a good standing with God. That is not how peace is restored. No, no, no. The story of Jesus shows us that God moves. God works. God loves. God saves. God rescues. 
God forgives. God humbles himself. God comes to us. God lays down his life for us. God serves us. What a God. There is no good news like the good news of Jesus, amen? And we can have a sure peace with God if we place our faith in him. In fact, let me read to you the declaration made of Jesus at his birth from Luke chapter 2. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Church, the greatest peace that we need before any other kind of peace that you might be searching for is peace with God. It's relational peace with almighty creator God and we can have that by trusting in Jesus. I want to warn you of something this morning. Whoever you are in this room, true peace will evade you until you are at peace with God. So let me ask you this morning, do you have peace with him? Have you believed in his sacrificial death for your sin? Have you believed that he wants to be your forgiver? Have, he, have you believed that he wants to give you a new identity, make you a new creation, set your feet upon a new rock? Do you believe and trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? I want you to know God stands ready to restore that peace, and he has done everything to ensure that by a step of faith, you could have a relationship with Jesus today. And so Advent is a time for us to remember that Jesus is the great peacemaker between man and God. But church, I also want to remind us this morning that Jesus is also the great peace giver. Um, I can't remember now when it was, but it was very recent. My wife and I, we took a little getaway. Some of you probably saw pictures on Facebook that you were really jealous of, and that's okay. We took a little trip to Sandals, Emerald Bay, and we went to the Bahamas. And I was in the sunshine, plenty of vitamin D. You, get, you have a quiet beach that you can walk. It's pristine all day long. There is nobody calling my name. There's nobody with any needs. There's nothing that is, is drawing my attention. I am just there being. I'm walking around with my bride. I can have whatever I want to eat or drink. All day long, literally at night, there's a bakery open late. You can go get any of the sweets you want. You can have them make you a Nutella crepe fresh on the spot. Hallelujah. Not, hallelujah, amen. Not to mention you go back to your room every day and somebody came in there and cleaned the entire thing and gave you fresh every I mean, it was just like, y'all know, okay? Here's what happened in my heart in the Bahamas. Pastor, are you going to confess this? I'm going to confess this. I'm in the Bahamas and I'm thinking... How much would it cost and what kind of vocation do I need? Because a pastor's salary ain't going to do it. To get a vacation home out here in the Bahamas. And can I live somewhere else besides Omaha where there's not a connecting flight, but just a direct flight to this place? And can we get out here like twice a year? And is this actually possible? This is where my heart started to go. I was so obsessed with the escape that the Bahamas gave us. 
I was obsessed with the, every waking moment we were there of just how peaceful it felt. And I know we're all the same. This is, this is the truth in the condition of the human heart is we just look for means of escape. Like life is full of trial. Life is full of hardship and pain and struggle. It just is, friends. And our initial reaction is always, how can I escape? And I think especially in our community, if I could just be blunt, like in this community, in this area of Omaha, we're a little bit more affluent. It's a little bit easier to have a rotating plate of things that you can just purchase, things that you can go do, places you can travel to, new technology that you can invest in, fun things that you can distract your family and give you a little bit of peace. And I think in the same way, this happens during the Christmas season. I think during the Christmas season, uh, it's amazing. It's coined as one of the best times of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the hap happiest season of all. Everything becomes wrapped around the holidays this time of year. It's this ambiguous term that signals tradition and festivity and togetherness and, and unity and homes are lit and Christmas trees are up and there's parties with ugly sweaters and there's classic Christmas music and Christmas movies and there's wish list, wish, wish list I can't speak, and there's gift giving and there's gift receiving and there's shopping and if we try really, really hard, church, if we just really try hard, we can forget for just a little while that in January... We will be right back to where we were. There will still be bills to pay, marital conflict, parental struggles, job frustrations, COVID issues, health scares, political drama. The Huskers will be garbage still. <laughs> Roy will still have a dirty fanny pack. And it will all somehow come crashing back in to rob us and steal our peace. Don't miss this, church. Knowing Jesus is, in fact, not an escaping of the real-life struggles and worries that we face. But it is an embracing of the real-life peace that Jesus gives in its face. There is no peace like Christian peace. This is a different kind of peace. This is what the Bible calls shalom, peace. It may be a peace that you've seldom experienced. It may be a peace you've never known. And here's why. When the world thinks of peace, it thinks of an absence of struggle or heartache or trial or suffering. When those things cease, a person may find some peace. But as soon as they come back and return, a person's peace is gone. And the cycle continues. In the kingdom of God, the everlasting, unshakable kingdom of God. When you belong to Jesus, you can experience shalom. It is a wholeness, it is a calm, it is a fearlessness despite circumstances. Church, we need that peace now more than ever. Now more than ever. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, 27, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Think about this. Don't miss this. Jesus, God the Son, says to his followers, my peace I give to you. Church, question, how much peace do you think God has? <laughs> he is the Alpha and the Omega. 
He has no beginning, no end. He is the maker and sustainer of all things, all-powerful, all-knowing. He is unchanging. He is Elohim, the strong one, El Elyon, the most high. He is sovereign and holds all things together in his control. He is just and he is supreme. He is the promise keeper. And he is the one who will come again to make peace permanent and to rid us of all source that robs our peace. What kind of peace do you think he has? And it's him who looks at you, Christian, and says, that peace I give to you. So I want to close this morning by asking the question, how do we actually experience this peace? I want you to consider the promise of Isaiah 26.3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How do we actually experience this? It's one thing to know all of this and, and to say yes to this on paper. It's another thing to experience it. Author Paul Tripp, who is probably my favorite author, he uh, introduced me years ago to this concept of two vision systems. He says that every human being has uh, a vision system that is material and natural. It's most often what we operate in. He says when a person is born again and they come to faith in Jesus and they are reunited into an ongoing interactive relationship with God, a new vision system is introduced. It's what the Bible calls the eyes of the heart. In scripture, the way that people are described, the heart is the central operating system, body, mind, soul of a person. The eyes of the heart are to look at the promises of God, the words of scripture, the words of Jesus, and to trust them and believe them more than you would anything else. We operate most days by looking and seeing what's right in front of us, those threats that are right there, A Christian, knowing God, operates in the eyes of the heart. They see life in a totally different way. And so when anxiety or worry or fear or even panic in a moment of crisis strikes, I want to offer what's been very helpful for me. Okay, we're not a step church, like here's three steps to fill in the blank, but I want to offer a few steps that are very practical that I, I think would be helpful to our church, and they're all based in Scripture. Number one, pray. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. I want to pause right there. It's really easy for us to see with our one vision system that's natural, the one or two things that are robbing us of peace and forget with the eyes of our heart the endless list of spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus that are just as true in that moment. They're just as true in that season. So would we give thanks for those? Would we take our anxieties to God and actually bring them to him in prayer? The next step's important. Step number two is to surrender your thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience. What does this mean? This is a discipline of the mind. This is to say, right now, I'm thinking about this in this way. Does this align with the truth of God that's been revealed to me? 
does this seek to thwart the knowledge that I have of God? If so, I need to humble it and put it in obedience to Jesus. I need to actually take the thoughts that I'm thinking that are not of God, and I need to submit them and surrender them in obedience to the truth of the gospel. But that's not it. It's not just to say these aren't correct thoughts, these aren't right thoughts. Number three is to actually redeem your thoughts. Philippians chapter four will continue, and it'll say in verse eight, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Church, can I just tell you this morning, there's a command in scripture about how you think. Like, the scriptures are coming, God is coming to you through his word and saying, what are you thinking about these days? Think about me. Think about the truth of my gospel, the gospel of peace. Think about everything that's in my hand. Think about who I am. Think about what is pure and true and honorable. Think about such things. You will find peace. And the fourth, last step is just to trust Jesus. Philippians 4 will continue right after verse six to say and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will do what guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus i just want to say this god wants to guard your peace it's his peace the peace of god will guard it he wants to give you his peace and namely church when peace feels beyond understanding then you know its source when your peace does not add up with what you're experiencing, then you are for sure certain that that peace is coming from your heavenly father. Amen? The declaration of the angels at the announcement of Jesus' birth, it gives us an ultimatum. It's an ultimatum that all of us must face. You remember those words, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. There's two parties in that, God and us. And there's two factors in that, his glory and our peace. They cannot be disconnected, church. We can't have one without the other. The more weight that God holds in my heart, the more peace that I will have. And the less weight, the less glory that God has in my heart, the less peace I will possess. I'm gonna put it this way. Remember this Christmas that when Jesus gets the highest glory in your life, you get the greatest peace. It's true. So would we all reacclimate and reacquaint ourselves with this great God and Savior Jesus, maker and giver of peace. And will we look forward to the peace that he will usher in when it's all said and done and he comes again? Would we expect and anticipate his arrival with great joy? Jesus is coming. Let's pray. God, I simply want to say thank you for your peace. I would not know peace, true peace without you, and I want to raise my hand this morning, God, and say thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for seeing me at my worst in my sin and for pouring out your grace in your life. Jesus, you are so good. You are worthy of all of our praise for all eternity. Thank you for the peace that you give. Would we embrace it this Christmas season? Amen.